Welcome to this podcast about the Nature-Based Solutions Challenge by Wageningen University. In this podcast, Jokatheme, Michel and Valentina will have a conversation about their Nature-Based Solutions projects. You can't build peace on an empty stomach. Let's bring one and one together. I watch the world from your point of view. These students are running their own projects as part of a student challenge organized by Wageningen University. In this challenge, they work on their own projects. The projects are very diverse. We will go from the wetlands in Nepal to green roofs and vertical farming in the Netherlands and also to the food forest in Congo. Even though the projects are highly diverse, they all positively contribute to the climate, biodiversity and our quality of life. Next to sharing and presenting their nature-based solutions projects, today's guests will also reflect on the importance of heading towards a nature-based future. It's time to wrap up my introduction to this podcast and to welcome today's guests, Yukateme, Michel and Valentina. Welcome. It's a pleasure to host you in this podcast. First, Yukateme, let's go to your food forest in DR Congo. Can you start by briefly introducing yourself? Thank you very much for the amazing introduction. I am Yokate um, Kuzu. I am a founder, now I am founder of my company, Mabele Agric. And uh, I am a student at the University of Kinshasa here, where I'm uh, studying uh, agroforestry in general, and I'm trying to apply it in a you know plantation setting where we are producing different types of crops and uh, I'm really happy to be here. Thanks Yokotema, uh, nice to hear and good to hear. Actually by the way I forgot to introduce myself. My name is David and I'm the national director of EAS Netherlands and I'm also working at Wageningen University to co-organize this student challenge. And you tell, talk about your studies, about where you're from, about the Food Forest Project. Can you introduce me a bit more to the context you're working in and to your nature-based solutions project? I think my project is really touching on going back to the basics of production and just doing it more efficiently. So my project is about producing fruit in an agro forestry setting. In it, we are mixing some indigenous trees that have medicinal property, but also carbon capture properties with fruit in a cropping system that is not disturbing to the environment. So we are training farmers to no-till agriculture, to mulching, to biochar, as a way to improve soil and to agroforestry as a way to improve biodiversity. And we call that a food forest. That's very clear, thank you. So I hear that your project is really about the synergy between biodiversity and climate. Uh, but I also hear you talking about production, so about creating a business case. Um, can you maybe elaborate a bit more about that? So how does your project contribute to uh, to economics, to human well-being in that sense. Mm -hmm. All right, all right. I see this. That's that's such an important question because 
our project was inspired by farmers, you know. Uh, for a few, for a few, for a few years, I've been watching my own mom, which is a smallholder, and she mainly does cassava, maize, you know, staple foods. And I've seen her yield decrease over two, three production cycles. Like I know that she used to produce let's say fifty bags, now she's at thirty to twenty-seven bags, and. I've seen her costs increase over time because the tractor is more expensive, you know, because the human labor is more costly. And also because the main reason why she used to tear her soil, meaning weeding, is not working anymore because at first she used to tear once and she used to tear and then she's going to weed two or three times. Now she's weeding five times. So weeding increased, cost increased, yield decreased. And she wasn't the only one facing that problem. There were way too many. And that's why I had we had this idea of finding a solution for them. And the solution we proposed them was first they should, you know, restructure the the crops in the fields and go for a bit more fruits. Because fruits, they have the same life cycle as cassava, but they are more productive and more costly or, or more more they're more expensive so they can yield more money and for them to reduce their costs why do they need to tell if they are on a soil that is weak enough it's a sandy soil they don't really have to tell they just need to dig the hole and put the plant inside and on top of it if they need a solution to weeding they could just cuts the grass, which is a lot in the savannas of Plateau de Bateke, and use it to cover the soil. So we spoke to them about it, and we tasted it, and they were really happy to see that there's some results. Not, you know, we're not done, but they were happy to see that there's some results, and economic-wise, they can reduce the expensive expenses while increasing the yield and the revenue. And that's why, you know, there's a economic benefits to the food for food forest project yeah i think you very clearly show that actually with the project and the concept that you are working with there are multiple benefits for the climate biodiversity economics while actually decreasing the human input in terms of labor and money so that's actually uh, really impressive your statement thanks for uh, sharing your perspective on that and I would actually like to move on to the Netherlands because Valentina, she's also working on an innovative, uh, I can say, agricultural project. Uh, Valentina, welcome. Can you briefly introduce yourself first? Uh, thank you for hosting me in this podcast today. My name is uh, Valentina Mertuki and I'm here as a representative of the Green Dream team. I'm an Italian master's student at Buckingham University in Research in the Netherlands, and I'm currently towards the end of my double master's degree. And uh, since the years of my bachelor's, I tailored my studies and experiences driven by my passion and interest for nature in cities. Um, so as a student, you, you are, of course, participating in this uh, student challenge with the Green Dream Team. You are a very motivated uh, and enthusiastic team. Uh, and what's the project you're working on? Uh, so, uh, our project is the um, uh, Green Holistic System. Uh, the Green Holistic System aims to integrate in just uh, one nature-based solution three very uh, known and important concepts that are the sponge series, the green roofs, and vertical farming. 
So what we want to do is to create a biodiverse and circular blue-green roof on top of one of the uh, many kiosks and small buildings and tiny restaurants and bars and cafes. So these uh, buildings with a low height uh, that are present around the city of Amsterdam. Uh, and this roof, uh, this green roof is going to be able to collect excessive rainwater and store it. Then this rainwater uh, can be used to provide irrigation to a mini vertical farm uh, that is going to be placed inside the restaurant or the cafe. So the mini vertical farm is an innovative device to grow vegetables with a cascade hydroponic system in a very limited spaces. And um, so the business owners can be invited to upgrade their kiosk or their bar or their cafe, adding a blue-green roof on top of it, and uh, also adding a mini vertical farm inside to produce parts of their vegetable supply very, very locally, and also in a very circular way. Uh, because, yeah, uh, so our system is also circular because the rainwater can circulate between the uh, blue-green roof to supply the water to the uh, universal farm. Yeah, I can see your green holistic system is indeed very holistic and that you think of <laughs> many components like local production, circularity, biodiversity, and also interestingly, of course, in the, in the urban context, it's very uh, in, important and relevant to increase the green surface and to thereby also harvest rainwater. So that's indeed a very holistic system. And actually, the word holistic, I think that's also very relevant for Yoko Temer's project um, about the fruit forest. Uh, you both try to really find synergies and multiple benefits. So it's really interesting to see and also very uh, inspiring. So Valentina, so you, you have this concept and the, the whole project. Is there already a form of implementation for that? Uh, we are still uh, working on that, uh, on the implementation part. So currently we are looking for partners or so like uh, all the business owners uh, want a restaurant or a bar or a cafe in the Netherlands are invited to participate to this project. So we, we shared online um, 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 we shared online an application form so that uh, people can get in touch with us. And uh, yeah, we are looking forward to, to select uh, uh, the right kiosk. Yeah, that's very clear. And I hear an open invitation for people in urban areas to collaborate with you. And do you think that the, the food forest project, would that also be relevant in the Dutch context? Uh, I think uh, actually our two, like my project and uh, Joka Temer's project are show two very different realities in two very different locations in the world. But I think uh, like the problems to tackle might be similar. So both these systems, I think they could be adapted to a different type of context. Anyways, considering all the all the circumstances and requirements that a certain location in the world might um, might um, might bring. So uh, I see why uh, we chose the. Uh, blue-green roof with uh, vertical farming and uh, Yokatame's team chose the agroforestry because like we tried to um, observe what's going on around us and try to um, propose a moderate solution so that doesn't completely revol revolutionate the, the system that is already existing but it's rather uh, gradually helping people to make a shift and a change towards a more um, balanced 
coexistence between human and nature. And I see these uh, points in common between our projects. So yeah, that's um, a good point indeed. Yeah, I think you make some very good notes there indeed, like the nature-based solutions, the concept of working on climate, biodiversity, quality of life, and other indicators. That is indeed also, in my opinion, uh, a relevant future to head towards all over the world. But then the way to do that, that's really something that the local context uh, is crucial for. But the way of thinking, uh, indeed, I think that's indeed very relevant and also similar in both your projects. Jokotena, uh, I was wondering, how, how do you see this? Is the, the urban project from Valentina, is that also something that, that could fit the, your context or the Congo context? How do you look at this? No, I think first it, it's, it's amazing, you know? It's amazing to see that the way we thought about urbanization must completely change for us to be able to efficiently and ecologically use cities you know and it's almost the same thing because at the end of the day people usually see in the forest or probably here in drc they either see it as just a place where you got trees and some animals or as a place where you get food no wood out you know so the only produce they see out of the forest is wood mainly but here we want to say this we want to say that out of a forest you could get more than just wood and if you organize your forest well it could actually play a role in your farm instead of you cutting it down for you to farm and that's the message we're trying to send with the food forest and it's the it's the exact message valentina's trying to send with you know green green urban areas because Usually when we see urbanization, we see it as opposite to the forest. When we see agriculture, we tended to see it as opposite. And we're just trying to bring the two concepts back because we realize that as much as farming, as much as farming, uh, urban area needs to play a bigger role than just for human beings. They should play a role for human beings and for the planet through nature-based solutions. So the two projects are pretty much, you know, closely related. Yeah, thank you, Kutayman. That's also a very interesting insight indeed about creating these synergies and having kind of multifunctional areas and designs, which both of you, you have, and which is central in both of your projects. Also in this podcast, we have Nishal, who is working in Nepal uh, on wetland restoration. My name is Nishal and I am representing our team Wetlands for Nepal from the Nature-Based Solution Challenge. I come from Nepal, from a city called Pokhara, which is one of the popular touristic destinations in our country. And as for my education, I actually have already finished my master's. I'm a fresh graduate in aquatic ecology from Lund University in Sweden. But I came back home to Nepal after finishing my master's. For our nature-based solution project, it takes you to one of the suburban areas in the Kathmandu Valley to a lake called Nagtaha, which roughly translates in English to Serpent Lake. And rightly so, because it alludes to its rich cultural history, which is quite interesting in itself.
and also its rich uh, prevailing reptilian diversity. But like many urban and suburban lakes in the city, the lake has been exposed to rapid urbanization which has brought upon various problems like pollution and sedimentation that has degraded the lake's ecology and thereby its ecosystem services. So as part of a bigger restoration initiative, our team Wetlands for Nepal is trying to address the issue with nutrient pollution and sedimentation on a smaller scale, targeting a part of the catchment where the source of the inlet of the lake is located. For that, we are aiming to build a pond that would help in retaining the nutrients and sediments coming from that area in the catchment, which is also predominantly used for agriculture. We hope that this project would act as a stepping stone for bigger restoration initiatives at Nagda and also in a way through action, showcase the strengths of nature-based solutions to the local community. So it's very interesting to see that that the way you work all in these projects is kind of similar, even though the, the context and the challenges can be different. So we are close to wrapping up this podcast. Um, you are working on a very important nature-based solution project. You are trying to improve your own uh, surroundings. You are working towards creating a nature-based future. What is the message that you would like to give other young people around the world? to head towards a nature-based future? What would be your advice for people to take up? Well, to motivate the youths around the world to attempt for nature-based solutions or seek for a nature-based future, all I can say is that just have a look around you, wherever you are. Because the story is the same, we have built our current civilization with and around modern innovations and artificial mechanisms, but that has taken us thus far, and issues as related to nature conservation, sustainability, and disaster risk management are still prevalent. Thus, to combat problems related to nature, indigenous and nature-based approach might be the very solution we need. So, energetic youths, if you are trying to bring a change, Maybe give nature-based solutions a try and see where it takes you. So what is beautiful to, is to see that uh, young people, especially like uh, who decided to give, uh, to dedicate their life to, to studying and to, uh, to uh, put an effort in their passion, uh, we are all changing perspective on the world. And even though maybe the previous generation um, were not particularly encouraging in this type of changes. What I can see now, also after the discussion, uh, that uh, both me and Yokateme, even though we are in two opposite parts of the world, we, we think in a very similar way. So that's my probably my my suggestion is to share what you think could uh, could be a good thing for the world. So if you have ideas that you feel valuable, that you think that can change something, talk about it with your, with your fellows, with your friends, with your family, and don't, uh, don't let the, the older generations discourage you too much and try to find, yeah, try to find someone that thinks like you, because once you, once you're not alone anymore in this vision, then things can really change and, and you can make something happen if you find your people and people who think alike.
and uh, yeah i see a lot of possibilities in this sense so yeah yeah valentina that's really nice to hear and i hope that you find some like-minded people in your green green team and i yeah. am sure that's the case right <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Indeed, like also for my team was more or less like this. We found each other very randomly and at the end we all have a similar view on how we would like to see the world in 20 years from now. And yeah. uh, yes. So. Perfect. Keep up the work. Keep up the spirit. It's really encouraging to see this uh, to see this happening. Uh, and I would also like to say, ask the same question to you. So looking back into this podcast about into your experience uh, over the past years, what advice or what would you like to tell to youth around the world to contribute towards us heading to the nature-based future? If there's, a, there's one trend I really observe and strongly observe is that to move forward right now, it feels like the world has to go backward. There's a lot of things we consider junk or inefficient or, you know, not so better, not so good. In the past, that are becoming more interesting because we've hit a challenge that 50 years ago we did not feel like we had. So there's a lot of material, let's say material, like wood, that's you know, did not really compete with cement. But right now, with what we're observing, we are actually going back to wood why we left it. And that's all part of the nature-based solutions. The nature-based solutions about going backward to actually fix the other problem that we will meet in the future. So it was really eye-opening for me to see that so many people can sense it across the world, so many youth people. And I really hope that many more sense it again because we trust the technology. It did its job, you know. I'm not blaming technology. But given what we're facing now, given that we need to bring back diversity, bringing that we need to, you know, protect the environment, nature does its best and holistically. I would really advise many, many, many young people to strive into nature-based solutions because it's the best way to solve complex climate, food, environment-related problems. Yeah, Yoko this is a beautiful call to action for youth around the world. And you're, I like to quote about moving forward because I was kind of talking about the nature-based future we are heading to and you then mentioned okay we by moving forward we actually also need to consider the past and like how we were used to work with, with nature and how we used to work with the natural resource and actually that's a very good note to take into consideration Joke Teme, uh, Valentina and Michal I would really like to thank you for uh, being a guest today in the EAS podcast it was great talking to you you spread a nice call to action you talked about your amazing nature-based solutions project I'm really curious to see how your projects will evolve over the coming months. Uh, as the 20th of September, there will be the final of the Nature-Based Solutions Challenge and one of the eight teams will win the final prize. But actually, uh, you are all winners because all teams are currently participating in the challenge, are working on Nature-Based Solutions projects, heading towards the Nature-Based future. 
that's already amazing. And I'm really happy that you were able to join in today. So thanks a lot for that. And looking forward to see you later. To the audience, thanks a lot for listening and see you at the next podcast. You can't build peace on empty stomachs. Let's bring one and one together.